Thanks. Thank you. Okay, here we go. I'm going to stop that lovely elevated music. How do I do that? There we go. Cool. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you're having a nice time. Saturday night, what are we all doing? We're under lockdown. We're doing nothing. Staying at home and having a nice time. So this is the first time we've done a, a YouTube live stream thing before. So with a bit of beginner's luck, everything will, uh, will go all right. Uh, and of course, we're talking with Michael Joseph Harris, amazing guitar player, composer, um, fantastic musician all around. And tonight we were going to be doing, we were going to be recording a podcast with like a full band at, at my house. And then afterwards, we we're going to do a gig at a place called The Post Bar. Shout out to Camillo. Um, but obviously, you know, COVID and that. So we can't do that. But um, we decided to do this sort of live stream thing instead. Um, uh, we're going to have a nice chat. We're going to pick some tunes off of um, his new album, Tangent, which is a really good album. Like, I, I seriously recommend it. It's awesome. And uh, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to, through the magic of the internet, let's see, get the old invite. We've all become experts on Zoom now since the lockdown. So now I'll send that over to Michael. Hopefully he'll come over very soon. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. Um, feel free to heckle in the live comments if you want. I can't actually see the live comments from here. Maybe I can. I don't know. There's like a computer there which has got the YouTube stream. I can see somebody said something, but I can't. I can't see it. It's too far away. Anyway, Michael's here, so let's let him in. Here we go. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, how's it going? Hey. How are you doing, man? Good. How are you? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. Nice to see you. You too. You too. You've made a much better effort than me with the with the nice shirt and the slick hair. I'm practically <laughs> in my pajamas at the minute. I, I know. I've got to take advantage of every possible you know opportunity to dress up and act <laughs> like you know civilized human. Yeah. Well, we've got no gigs to get dressed up for, so I guess we'll have to do with these, won't we? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it, there's like a there was a funny thing going around where like a woman gets like all dolled up and then. Just goes to take the trash out that comes back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a high feel like every time I go to the store, you know, I just like, oh, I might as well put on my best uh, <laughs> outfits. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, man, we're doing this live stream, and thanks a million for doing it with us. Um, but of course, uh, in an ideal world, you'd be here in the UK doing a bit of a tour for your new album, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, and you are. Such a tremendous amount of work putting that together and then just to like see it dissolve. Oh <laughs> god. Yeah. Yeah, it's been rough. Because you had quite a few gigs in this part of the world, right? You were um Preston Jazz Festival, is that the one? Yeah, that would have been the, the first one. And then we're doing I'm doing some doing some uh, some things with uh, Toby, Toby Medlin. Yeah, yeah. Harry Diplock and Pete Thomas and uh nice. A lot of a lot of great guys, and um, yeah, the Green Note, Toulouse, uh, the Cucumbar. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
all these really cool places, Kansas Smitty's. Yeah, man. But, oh, God. <laughs> what I mean. But it's going to happen, though, right? We're going to do it in the yeah. future, yeah? Yeah. And, you know, last time I, I had such a great time um, jamming with Harry uh, and yeah. just become this amazing player. Like, he was already incredible then. But yeah. I just saw the recent uh, thing you did with him, and, man, he sounded incredible. Jeez, he's a hell of a player, man. And, and a really nice bloke as well. Uh, Such a yeah. sweet guy. Yeah. Absolutely. He actually lives, I only learned recently, lives pretty close to where I live. And, you know, when the lockdown was settling in and, you know, I was thinking how we're going to keep doing the podcasts. Well, I realized he lived quite close by and you could technically meet up in the park like one on one. So we were going to do like a duo one, just the two of us. And then the lockdown lifted a little bit bit more whereby you could have more than two people so then we brought ben manning down on the base um, oh yeah so great yeah yeah and um it's been really nice because all the little jams are happening again like all the musicians are kind of coming out it's like we've been in hibernation all winter and we're coming out and meeting up in various combinations and various parks across london it's god it makes me feel good again you know yeah i see i've seen some nice live streams from paris too that i've, I've shared as well yeah yeah uh, yeah man we do what we can keep the music alive i see you're quite you're a little bit ahead of the curve or you see all the musicians now are trying to work out how to do kind of online stuff because that's the only outlet we have and you seem really on it like almost every night i see a, a jam session happening or you've got like a teaching class that you do you've got a lot going on man i've tried to stay active but i've also realized you have to kind of limit what you do and the, the more special something is the better I think you know instead of I mean obviously it's fun just to go and on some backing tracks and play uh that's wonderful you know and you get a couple nice comments from your friends sure but to do a proper show or to do some sort of teaching thing it's nice to have a, like a one or two week build up and then do it yeah it and, makes it more special I guess yeah but man I miss I miss it there. I mean, I, I want to go back to that. I hope that sandwich place is still there. Uh, Which one? Finsbury Park. Um, yeah. Oh, Max's. Max's. Yeah. <laughs> These giant sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Harry and I <laughs> went there. Yeah, man. <laughs> you know, and a lot, there's a perception that there's like not great food sometimes in the UK. And there is incredible food. Yeah. I mean, you've got to, you've got to sort of spend a while trying to find it. But when you do, it's the real deal. Yeah, it's like, you know, people that live in San Francisco, they get used to like the top notch food. So they come, we, we, you know, I thought kind of like Baltimore was a foodie place and it is way more than it was 10 years ago. Yeah. But still, like, it's hard to get to that level. You know, I don't really know anything about Baltimore, really. I mean, there's um, a song by Randy Newman called Baltimore. Right. That's, that's pretty much all I know about it. I mean, it's like it's quite close to Washington, is it? Is that right? Right. Uh, it's uh, about an hour from DC, Washington okay. DC, about four hours drive, give or take, uh, to New York City. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really nicely located. And I moved here because it was a lot more, felt like a lot more of a creative place for me. And I was okay. coming from DC at the time. And DC, I, I just didn't feel like there was a lot of originality going on there and I was kind of stuck in a rut. But I had the thing with DC though, I had the most amazing Latin and Brazilian players that I was playing with. So super wow. high caliber players there. 
but I just needed to get more into my originality and uh, Baltimore was cheaper. DC was getting really expensive at the time too. Right, right. And were you like, were you playing gypsy jazz back then? Have you, have you always been a gypsy jazz guy or is it more of a recent? I mean, I know you've been with, done the Ultra Fox for quite a few years, like. Um, I, I've always liked the sound of Django Reinhardt's music, but I never really put two and two together in terms of like trying to, to, to get that sound and that technique um, until around 2012. Okay, okay. And, and what were you doing before then, like? Mostly original Cuban uh, jazz-influenced music, Brazilian wow. music. Wow, amazing. I did an entire, actually, I had a big epiphany where I was like, oh, I got to get back into originality around 2010. Okay. And, uh, man, I found this old CD that I made. I didn't even remember I made it. Yeah. And, like, I'd just been, like, going around and around in these uh, money-making gigs, like, like uh, session stuff and and weddings and, and anything I could do. Okay. And, uh, yeah, and then I just, so I finally got back into that and um, I did a release at Blues Alley in DC. And the whole album is guitar, bass, drums. And right. I asked uh, Arturo O'Farrell, O'Farrell, who's a Grammy-winning Af you know, Afro-Cuban pianist, if he would do the, the gig with me and he did. So it's funny, nice. like our big, you know, CD release was nothing like the record actually. <laughs> <laughs> it was even better, mate. It was even better. Oh my God. Wow. And so that, that makes a lot of sense then because um, in gypsy jazz, I'm not quite sure why, but it's rare enough to find people who are writing all their own stuff and doing a full album back to front. It's more common you find an album of standards with one or two, um, you know, chanting one or two originals in there. But obviously yeah. for you, the composition is really important part of it. Yeah, I mean, I was just completely inspired and started writing stuff. And um, yeah, I still have tons of songs that I, I haven't fleshed out completely because, you know, this stuff's kind of hard. Actually, one of the motivations was uh, to write things that really forced me to practice the right hand technique. So write something that you can't quite play and then learn to play it. Totally. <laughs> That's great. That's well good. That's clever. You know, put yourself on stage. Put yourself in the, in the, in the hot seat. And, yeah. And, and it'll come, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice, nice. Quite fire. And so, look, your new album, Tangent, absolutely banging. I've really been enjoying listening to it the last few days. Like, Thanks this so is, much. I'm at work. This isn't my private collection. Obviously, this is where I work. But um, we listen to it loads at work, and it's fantastic because each track, is, so, I mean, it's, it's a gypsy jazz format, shall we say, but almost each track you can hear, this has brought in a different genre for this track. This one's brought in something from this idea. This one's inspired by this. And what I'd like to know is, why was it that you thought the best way around was to bring those other genres into gypsy jazz, as opposed to say, you said you were quite into the whole Cuban thing, why yeah. the Cuban thing wasn't the base, you know, why was it gypsy jazz was the way you kind of brought it all together? Well, it's just been what I've been playing for, uh, for quite a while. And to me, it just is a natural thing to include whatever seems to, um, I don't know, 
speak to me in that moment. And um, yeah. the, there's just, I don't know, it's, I guess the easy answer is that certain songs are directly inspired by Django Reinhardt that I've written. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Other ones are just kind of like uh, based in the guitar technique, but really like inclusive of lots of different, uh, you know, stylistic influences. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Because I mean, now then, what I'm going to do is through the magic of the internet should see now this is your band camp with the latest tangent album yeah and yeah yeah, yeah here it is so look uh well why don't you pick a tune because uh, i'm everyone would love to hear some of these tunes so why don't you pick a tune and we'll all sit and listen to it together which one do you want to well, listen to uh yeah let's pick one that features one of london's finest okay <laughs> mr uh giacomo smith on clarinet what a player shit man yeah 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 he is oh man he he blew away the engineer in nashville that i was working with yeah <laughs> yeah um i found out that he was taking a trip to the states and that he would be kind of near where uh the studio i wanted to record at you know where the location was and patrick McAvenue, who's a violinist they would both be kind of like in the same area so okay. I, I immediately booked a date and just really took a risk yeah, so, and just say that again, so that he was just in the area by chance almost. Yeah, I certainly couldn't afford to pay him to uh, <laughs> fly over. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. Because I, I saw the, the name on the credits and I was like, oh, I didn't like, I thought he was based. That's, yeah, take it while you can, I guess. So let's do Talkie Walkie. Yeah, great shout. Okay, guys, so Talkie Walkie featuring Giacomo Schmidt. Okay, here we go. <laughs>
Nice. Thank you. Yeah. That's well good. That's well good, man. The, the the whole album, like all the tunes, they kind of they twist around and they 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 kind of it could be you know swing here and then it'll double time or then it'll go here. It's really fun to listen to, man. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I I appreciate hearing that feedback. That's for sure. It's uh it's hard. You get so close to something for so long and then it's uh you know it's interesting like how to how it feels and you know to hear some good feedback is uh, you, you you'd like to think it wasn't that important but it is hugely important <laughs> oh of course yeah absolutely well i mean geez positive feedbacks uh, i'm always just seeing good reviews of, of that album coming up on facebook all the time it's a real winner thank you yeah now something i want to ask about as well um maybe we'll listen to it later maybe not we'll see uh, i noticed a couple of track names uh one is called alcatraz yeah and the other is called racer x and so i'm thinking this must be something to do with ingvar malmsteam and paul gilbert am i right no that's just a nice side benefit it's a uh, no way really <laughs> yeah, nothing to do <laughs> no way really yeah oh right okay all right are you do you, you know those guys are you into them at all or oh yeah for yeah, sure yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've always thought that all the great guitar players have a J in there as their middle name. Ingve J, Malmsteen, Michael oh Joseph God. Harris, Cornelius James Corkery. That's and, funny. And even Django Jean Reinhardt, of course. Oh, oh. So see now you now you're really putting the pressure on. I gotta start making <laughs> good stuff. That's amazing. To deserve so, that J. Yeah, you gotta earn your J, man. <laughs> so here's the thing, right? So um I was talking to Robin Nolan there and we're talking about Gypsy Jazz um, and how it sort of developed. And nowadays the scene's a lot bigger. And he talks about when he was first going to America and the early days of Django and June and things like that. And, you know, America's kind of learned the Gypsy Jazz genre, tradition, whatever, um, you know, a bit after Europe, because of course this is sort of where it came you know, in, uh, the UK was a bit behind mainland Europe and then America. So y you've got this really cool trio together and you can do this album with these great players. But I imagine not that long ago, like it must have been kind of hard putting together players, especially like in if you're not in one of the big cities, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, there's so many people, actually. I can think of a few right now that just, don't, you know, they, they've had to sort of teach someone how to play this music so they could have someone to play with. Hmm. Uh, London, man, has some incredible players. So you guys are really fortunate there. Yeah, uh, we're, we're kind of, honestly, we're spoiled, really. I mean, yeah, 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 totally. And what's funny as well, like, you know, even in London, it still feels like a small scene. Like, like, it's not like, I don't know. I mean, obviously, relatively speaking, it's got to be one of the biggest. But in terms of the players you meet, there's only really a handful of them around. I mean, there's enough to put bands together and stuff um, oh my, my first gig there was after like major jet lag and i showed up to kansas smitty's <laughs> and uh <laughs> they played um first of all they, they played some songs i didn't know and i was like i didn't have the mental energy to try so i just kind of like sat there and drank a pint good man yeah <laughs> and um uh, but one they they did uh, i think one of the first ones was hungaria yeah very fast and of course, yeah. I, I had to play a solo after I think maybe four or five courses from Korosh. And I was yeah. like, 
okay, I'm going to play some bluesy stuff. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I did get the biggest applause, honestly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So great, man. Jeez. Yeah. When you go to Kansas Smitties, you've really got to bring your A game to, to that, oh, yeah. that jam. Yeah. yeah. You know, me and Toby Medland, uh, bass player uh, Tom Williams, we do a gig, well, before the lockdown, every Sunday. Um, it's like half six till half eight. And it's just near Kansas City. So we would do our gig and then you might go down to the jam afterwards. But the trouble is our gig is kind of in like a brewery tap room. So uh -huh. there's plenty of pints being thrown around the place. And, you know, you've got to be pretty sober to bring your A game to that Kansas City's jam. One or two pints in and you, you're, you're going to struggle. <laughs> oh, that's so true. You know, um, there's some somehow when I go to Samuro and Samoa and all that, like, it doesn't apply there. I don't know. It's a weird bubble where you could just do anything you want. It's, you still play well. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> uh, but, anyway. uh, yeah, there was a serious jam session here in Baltimore I attended one time, and I had to wait so long, and I started to uh, have a couple of drinks, and I, by the time I was playing, I was a mess. You weren't there. Is, is there a lot of players in, in Baltimore? Uh, yeah. Actually, Baltimore is uh, is becoming, like, more and more of a scene, I think, over time. Like, um a big part of it, like you said, is like finding people to play with. Well, the reason I knew about Django and June in the first place was Sammy Arafin, who's right. in plays with me in my groups. Uh, we've been playing together since 2012, and he's the one that we really did like lots of duo shows. In okay. Yeah. And there's nothing, I mean, you've got to learn fast in a duo format. Yeah, there's nowhere to hide, really, is there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, we're finding now, like with the internet and all this, there's this little, all them little towns and I have a bit of a scene, like, I mean, York, where I'm from, for a time, and even now, there was enough players for like two, maybe even three bands to kind of exist. And that's York. It's a small town, you know, mm -hmm. because I think beforehand, you know, if you like this kind of music, you just had to go to a big city because you were just the only one. Whereas now, because you can learn online, people just kind of crop up out of nowhere almost, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, Sammy Farthing, Henry Acker. Yeah, they they used to just communicate online, trade licks and everything. I mean, yeah, people learn online so much now. Absolutely. Well, this is it. Like, because I mean, you know, I was talking to Robin Nolan about it again, like, because he's made a lot of that educational um, content that people learn from. So I was like, well, what did you learn from? And it's like, you just had to find these people. You had to physically find them and then learn off them, you know? Yeah. Whereas now you could not leave your bedroom and become a bit of a pro uh, without meeting anyone, you know? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So here's another thing I want to ask you, because you're doing quite a lot of, you're doing one of these, I see a lot of musicians do them now, these sort of online Zoom teaching um, sessions where there's like a lot of players right it's like could be 10 15 players at a time mm -hmm. like how do they how, how does that work because it sounds like how does that work like i mean yeah okay here's the only reason that it works and the best thing about it okay that you don't have to hear everyone going <laughs> okay so you've got them all on mute is that right they all well actually everyone in my class muted themselves so that they could play ah. all material and practice okay so it's almost like a lecture like like you're at the front 
playing and they're just kind of observing, taking notes and practicing in their own, you know. Yeah, I mean, my my favorite is is a group format. I've I've never been that at, or as inclined to do the one on one, even yeah. though that's really good for focus stuff. Yeah, sure. I just really like group formats. Um, and the hardest part about it is telling everyone just to be quiet and respect each other and, sure. and, and not, not ask questions that get everyone off track. I mean, I've heard, I heard a story that everybody was uh, at a Borelli teaching thing and someone was asked him about his pick and right. they taken, taken like 20 minutes to talk about a pick. And, you know, most of us are not there to talk about picks. Sure, exactly, exactly. Even yeah. though picks are, you know, part of what we do. Sure enough. And out of interest, what, what are you using pick-wise these days? I use uh, this Kilinonis pick. Um, they're pretty, they're, they're the thing these days, hey? Everyone's playing with these. Well, I sort of try everything. Um, I also really like um, the jo uh, Yoko's uh, Manoush picks, and I like, um, oh, that guy... What's his name? Uh, the the Belgian guy, uh, Benjamin Clement, I think. Okay. Right? He makes incredible yep. picks. And also, I use the Dunlop black one, the back of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. When I want a super dark sound, that's what I like about that. It's just very dark. You know, these are so much. The Kilionis has three corners, which is nice, because it the the point is very bright so when you're live you know in a jam session you can really punch through do you do you do that do you change plectrum depending on what you want to sound like and and how oh yeah you know, really yeah, yeah definitely um that's, and also that's... the guitar too each guitar kind of likes a certain pick really because huh. oh, yeah. i mean well for me like i i find i just have to Okay, so just on gypsy jazz guitars, I have to have one pick and I just get used to that. And yeah. if I play with something else, it feels like, you know, it's like somebody else's hand is playing. Like, I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't get used to it, you know? Um, like, I, would, I wouldn't, I would so, I mean, I think I've got, I don't know if I've got mine on me. Hang on. Oh, there it is. Yeah, so I'm just with the old, the old vegan, vegan, wagon, whatever they're called. Oh, Those you're jabs. vegan? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, just stick with one of these. I actually preferred the smaller ones, <laughs> but he's not making the small ones anymore. So I just have the big oh, really? one. Oh. Well, I couldn't find them on his website. Like the, not that I don't mean thinner. I mean like kind of stubbier because it just sat in my hand better. But well, um, I don't know if you remember um, maybe the very beginnings of trying to learn this style, but it really is a lot different, you know, in terms of approaching a guitar. I was, I was already like a, an alternative, uh, I mean, alternate pick player. Yeah. So I just totally relearn the way to play. Yeah. In this exactly. style. You get the sound right. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I remember, you know, I mean, in the beginning, it was like, I, I really had no idea what the guitar sounded like and the differences. I could have really done, done it with any guitar. Sure, um, sure. Well, you know. yeah, it, it, it takes so much learning because at first you just think, well, if I play the right notes in the right order, then I've got it. And you've, got, you've not really got an ear or an appreciation for the, for the nuances of the, of the attack yeah. and everything else. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And like learning that, I remember thinking it's really important to, to like just 
feel like your pick is really great. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no what it is. Like, absolutely. It's like you're, you know, it's your extension of yourself. You need to feel like it doesn't really matter what it is, just that you feel like it's great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Well, if you feel like it's shit, then you're not going to get on with it very well, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. For real. So, how about then? We're going to, if you're up for it, maybe you could play us, show us that pick technique and maybe play over some changes for us. Yeah, hopefully the sound will come through. I'll go ahead. Yeah. And... Like, apologies to everyone listening if the sound's not amazing, but you can hear it pretty good and I'm, I'm excited to hear it. All right. I'm going to play uh, Consola Bergara backing track on. Class. Uh, there will never be another you. Yes, awesome. All right, I'm gonna mute myself while this happens, okay? All right, take it away. Oh, let's restart it. That's good. <laughs> Yeah, fantastic, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was I great. Need to put the guitar like this. No, that was cool, man. That was fantastic. Well, yeah, yeah I'm was... gonna, yeah. I'm gonna be watching that back, trying to steal some of those licks, man. 
I was, uh, I found myself, you know, I, I, I'm one of those kind of guitar players, like no matter how many licks and riffs I know, I, I got to get myself in trouble. <laughs> yeah right no but it's true uh, a lot of players don't like a lot of players they um and i'm not like this isn't a negative criticism necessarily but you know they the dial of how much is genuinely improvised and how much is just playing stuff you already know but in like different orders is yeah. very much on the safe side and some players just they're in the middle of the tune and they hear it go off somewhere and they chase it somewhere and it, they might land it or it might not, you know? But. Yeah, I mean, I I know some, I won't name any names, but I know some players that I adore the, uh, because they, they do get lost sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, for sure, like at least they're kind of, I always find that when players allow themselves to, to get into that kind of weird uh, flow where the ideas are genuinely coming and they're trying to, get it out of the instrument they tend to play stuff when they land it it's way better than anything that they practice it, it sounds magic almost there's something about it you know there is and part of what i'm trying to do is is get there you know yeah um, it's hard to do in a studio to be honest oh playing in a studio is so it's hard to do anything right in a studio i find i don't know what it is as soon as you're in there there's a different vibe. It feels, instead of being like guitar, it's fun. We play it for fun. We play it down the club with our pals. It feels like I'm doing an exam in school. Yeah. You know, it's a sterile environment and it's so hard to kind of get into the swing of it. Yeah. So true, so true. Uh, some people really come from the studio and it's kind of their home. Um, mm. You know, and, and other people, they uh, feel like they come from more live performances. Yeah. Yeah. There's certainly some exceptions. Like, um, I feel like Stoklo Rosenberg can just get in front of anything and play it great. Yeah, like, yeah. And the rhythm's going to be spot on. And I mean, honestly, the more I play this music, the more rhythm is really the most important thing. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, if your if your rhythm's good, then like that's that's of course what happens though is you might have too much to say, so you go. Yeah. I hear you, man. I hear you. And so here's the thing. I was watching a video of you. Uh, it's on YouTube and you're talking about um, trying to, I guess, come up with your own ideas, like composing your own lines. Yeah, yeah. And sure. you talk a lot about taking scales and kind of uh, running, kind of just playing the scale and trying to switch it around and, and trying to stumble upon an idea and, and develop it. Is that yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's part. I sort of see it as partly my uh, attention deficit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but also partly like, I want to have fun playing something and make make the sound happen that I'm trying to get to. Sure. So doing that is like it's more fun for me to uh, get something that feels right under my fingers than to like constantly be trying to play something scale wise that it feels unnatural so i try to make certain things feel natural to me okay and in doing that personalize it sort of okay okay because i mean when i hear you play there like you can hear obviously there's there's a bit of django there but there's ideas that uh i don't know they're just intrinsically musical ideas so like there was one i think someone the first head it was this kind of whole tone thing that kind of got repeated down the neck 
which was just lovely and loads of things. I mean, do you, do you practice like um, sequences and things like that in order to be yeah. able to kind of conjure them up in the gig? Actually, uh, the bulk of my practice time is playing out of time, just <coughs> excuse me, noodling, just finding ways to almost connect ideas. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I hear you, man. Like um, like a lot of licks that have become kind of my stock licks, for example, that I kind of play a bit too often. It was often I was trying to transcribe something, and I transcribed like the first bit, and then heard something else to follow it, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And a lot of it is just noodling around till you find something that resonates with you really strongly, and then practicing that a lot. Yeah, and uh, I I had a great class with. Uh, Olivier Kiktev from Le Droit de l'Homme when he came a few years ago to Django in June. And okay. one thing I left that class with, well, I mean, like the guy next to me was was upset because he's like, how, how does this have any practical, you know? I'm like, who cares? It's so cool. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it sounds good, it's good, man. Yeah. Well, my, point is, um, my point is that Olivier was so thorough he would he would like get a sound but then he would practice it all over the place yeah and i felt like that kind of systematic approach to learning a sound but then personalizing it and then applying it everywhere mm. that's really what i left that class with and i've been trying to do that kind of thing ever since really well i mean that's like learning how to improvise really like truly improvise not just learn licks put them string them in a certain order that's learning how to <laughs> Um, whatever your head comes up with, you can map it straight onto your fretboard, I guess. Yeah, I mean, however, obviously, um, licks are so good because they are they are so good. They have such a great sound. It's like learning a Charlie Parker riff or something. It's, it's like uh, incredible. It's part of the language, right? Mm. But, uh, I mean, Django certainly had things that he would repeat, but it's all this stuff in between those that is incredibly inventive and yeah. how, how he musically does that yeah yeah well genius absolutely so here's something i wanted to ask you um foxes seems like you've got a real affinity for the fox uh yeah. the ultra fox there's fox mugs there's fox badges there's everything what's the deal with foxes man well it, it comes from the django song ultra fox i suppose um and also the mispronunciation of the word foe yeah and there's a lot of play on words there with that. Um, but also deeper in my personal psyche. <laughs> okay. Uh, probably one of the, like, there's two cool things my parents did. My dad was a surfer in California and a physicist. Wow. And my mother grew up in Virginia um, and uh, she fox hunted. Okay. Not that I condone yeah. fox yeah, yeah. hunts. But back in the day, that was a thing, right? Sure, sure, sure. Anyway, she rode horses and did that when she was a very young uh, teenage girl. So in, in England, we call those people toffs. You ever heard that oh. term? To a toff. Oh, a toff is a kind of posh person that would ride horses and hunt foxes. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> this is pretty uh, rough and roots kind of version of that. Okay, one. right. Yeah, yeah. I see. That's um, so funny. Yeah, okay, right. So maybe that has something to do with my affinity for, I, I just like foxes and, you know, my daughter sent me this 
video, like TikTok video. Yeah. <laughs> she has like three fox pets. And I, I think I watched that like 10 times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you uh if you were in Harry Potter and you had a Patronus charm, your Patronus would be the fox, I would imagine. Ah, yeah. See, speaking of magic, a lot of people don't know this, but Harry Diplock's guitar is actually magical. It's a magical guitar, is it, eh? When I played it, I sounded exactly like him. <laughs> you just need the guitar. That's that's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was telling me the story about it, how like um it was it belonged to Sebastian Genois or Genois. Yeah, you know, yeah. there you go. And um <laughs> he'd he had seen it on various videos and he was like, I always really like that guitar. And then his mate who has a collection ended up buying that guitar. Mm -hmm. And Harry was like, well, I, I've got to get this because it's it's within my grasp. So he murdered really? that man. And that, no, he didn't. He bought it off him. Yeah. <laughs> no, he, he was the only one that could pull it out of the rock. Yeah, exactly. 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 Well, look, man, speaking of Ultra Fox, let's pick another tune from Tangent, the album. Uh, what would you recommend? Uh... Oh, let's. Let's play something with Jason Anik on violin. Uh, yeah. Let's say, um, let's do Alcatraz. Why not? Good shout. I love that one. That's one of my favorites. Okay, here we go. Alcatraz. Let's have it. Oh, hang on a second. Just one second. I just want to make sure that I'm actually sharing the sound. Yeah, sweet. Uh, no, no, it's not. Sorry, let me do that again. Welcome back. <laughs> that was Alcatraz. I hope you enjoyed it. Okay, <laughs> okay here we go. No, it's, it's not working. Why is it not working? Um, maybe refresh. Oh, can you hear that? Okay, here we go. Now I think it's working.
Beautiful. Just so nice, man. Thank you. And it's so nice and those lovely uh, string arrangements in the back. They're just the business, man. Yeah, I mean, Jason Anik. Yeah, well, say no more. Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. did you, when it comes to these tunes, did you like arrange all those quite um, deliberately or did the other musicians contribute parts or what was the process there? No, I actually got the other other another guy to play my parts too <laughs> <laughs> you just got your name on the front yeah <laughs> well put it this way i felt like someone different when i was <laughs> um, no i play I, I i just put together the arrangements and um on that particular one uh i did it all the i did all the rhythm and the lead uh and then added the violin and um Pretty much everything he does, that's what he came up with based on some notes I gave him. That's it. Sure. I, yeah. Yeah. I sent some notes and I said some arpeggio stuff here would be good. This would be good. This would be good. And then he just did it, man. It he was, did his thing. Blew my mind when I when I heard it. Incredible. Yeah. It's you know it's a fun way to work. Like, um, you know, it, it's nice to kind of a you know a certain level of collaboration. Obviously, like. You know, when you write a tune, it's kind of like it's your baby. Do you know what I mean? And you're quite, you've got a good idea of, of what you want to do with a tune. And you don't really want people messing around with it too much. But it's nice to have a bit of room that people can kind of color in. And do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And especially if you've got people like Jason Anik at hand, then, yeah. Yeah, I, I really didn't know what to expect other than, you know, I knew, I knew he would nail the melodies and I knew his solos would be cool. And I knew that, um, the intonation would be perfect because that's the kind of player he is. But I yeah. didn't realize that he would yeah. kind of add more layers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's the thing. Your album, uh, you can hear so many different influences and different genres, different um, world kind of music, different kind of folk music, almost the uh, kind of Balkan stuff, the gypsy stuff. Um, what about your guitar playing and the improvisation, like outside of Django? where you draw in influences from well um you know i i liked sort of heavy metal when i was a kid um, good man <laughs> and um i don't really trust people who don't like heavy metal do you know what i mean <laughs> i uh <laughs> i was big I, I i liked heavy metal but i was also into rush yes yeah man um zeppelin robin trower excellent uh, a fair few of them in the shelves i think yeah. yeah so that was a big part of my beginnings with guitar hendrix um but really uh you know like i just saw the documentary on rush 20 21 12. is that yeah and man it was so great to see that um anyway um yeah so the the, the long story is that it, it took many chapters right yeah yeah but yeah i i would suppose like i was lucky because i was in a high school jazz band that really you know was good so i had to step up to the plate and learn a little bit about jazz and in doing so uh, i met some other friends who were part of the jazz band and um we got into al Miola and uh you know we won our high school talent show playing yyz nice nice so um 
that was the coolest thing ever, you know? And then I, I started to really get into um, a, lot, a lot of uh, Michael Brecker and- Wow, okay, yeah. I was into Miles Davis super hard, the uh, We Want Miles record. And right. Yeah. Yeah, wow, and okay. Honestly, like, I would hear Django and just think, wow, that's so unique. How does that just amazing? Um, but I never really thought about doing it until um, a friend of mine, Fred, he, he used to travel in Europe a lot. He sent me a DVD that was that footage of, of Django Reinhardt playing Jean Tendré. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Oh, man. I would just like open a bottle of wine and watch that over and over again. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 what's so remarkable about Django Reinhardt is when you consider how kind of old how long ago it was that he played and the style of music is quite old and especially some of the tunes there they're they're barely even swing let alone jazz like that little kind of one five kind of very simple tunes but even the top kind of modern uh you know advanced jazz musicians when they hear Django, they go oh christ yeah you know uh they think jesus this guy was onto something you know yeah for sure yeah, you know, I, I remember a good friend of mine, Ricardo Alvarez, is a sax player uh, from Chile, and he lived in New York when I did, and we used to play together loads. And it was coming up to like uh, it would have been Django's birthday, and mm -hmm. me and Ricardo used to do this jazz night in a place called Satana, which was really fun. It was this like underground cocktail bar. It was like a perfect place for jazz. And anyway, I, I said, look, um, one Sunday we're going to do this gypsy jazz thing, and he's like, okay. So then he really started listening to gypsy jazz and he kind of heard a bit but was like nah but he wasn't listening to the django records he was listening to some other guys. oh yeah yeah and it wasn't quite doing it for him because he was quite a cool hip player and then mm. he heard the django stuff and he was like whoa and then on his facebook he was like putting up django compositions and he was learning all the django tunes because yeah there's just something about that guy sure is <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah um pat metheny was a big uh, influence too in, in high school and later uh some later years i had these like phases that i would uh, sure you know i saw them live and it was incredible and yeah. you know things like i just get the inspiration from so many different kinds of things like african drummers um choral play like uh chord players yeah yeah and, uh, i mean there's so many different things and and then to i've always liked to play with a pick too so uh you know i'm not like a, a finger style player so much so Django just was like the perfect thing for me when I, because I was playing like, you know, electric guitar or a nylon strong guitar with a pick. And then yeah. all of a sudden I had this steel string guitar that I could really dig into. Yeah. Like give me back something. Sure. Uh, it, it feels like, you know, it feels like you're playing through an amp that's turned up all the way with these guitars. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's like a similar feeling, visceral kind of something about it. It almost like distorts and like you can push it like. You can just push it if you want. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Um, I think everybody had that kind of. Um, I don't know, that like revelation when they first got like a good one of those guitars and they felt how responsive it was. And it feels. It's one of the things I really like and respect about gypsy jazz players and gypsy jazz as a genre is that. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I love all the the heavy metal guys and the jazz fusion guys, but. You know, they have an electric guitar, which is quite a sort of streamlined, built for playability kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then they have 
amplifiers and stuff which can kind of you know overdrive it and it makes certain things a little easier to get under the fingers whereas with these wonderful acoustic instruments it's just you and this very natural kind of thing and you have to manipulate it just you and the instrument you know yeah uh, and uh, it's amazing but yeah i think we all had that kind of whoa when when you you really give it some beans and the guitar kind of gives it back you think Shit. yeah <laughs> well speaking of which would you be up for playing another tune for us sure i'll, I'll do django's minor blues yeah brilliant awesome man okay i'm gonna mute myself and you take it away Thank <laughs> you. 
<laughs> yeah. That one right goes on. <laughs> That's cool, man. That was brilliant. Fantastic. Oh, by the way, that rhythm, uh, that was from Rhythm Future backing track right there. Okay, cool. That's a really good one they have for minor blues. I think we've uh, we've all become very accustomed to the various backing track providers over the last couple of months or so. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, tell me, uh, what guitar is that that you're, you're playing? Uh, this is a Craig Baumgartner. Uh, okay. A local Maryland guy. And it's based on a Demaro. Yeah. It's a sweet axe, man. Really, uh, it's a very distinctive sound. Um, you know, and I've had like, it's probably the third or fourth guitar of his that I've had. Uh, and I, I, you know, I just like usually have one guitar, but I might, I might get another one actually. Uh, let's see. Well, you know, Martin Taylor was asked how many guitars does a guitar player really need? And the answer is how many guitars you currently have plus one, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah, and it's true as well, you know. <laughs> it, so, and it's funny because uh, so there's obviously there's decent luthiers over there in in the USA, huh? One, one. No, yeah. there's one. there's a couple. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, obviously, you know, there's a few in in uh, in Europe. Obviously, some famous ones, but it's just amazing how it spreads that there's people building this because it is it's very bloody niche this kind of guitar like even now we think the scene is big but it's still pretty niche it's amazing that there's people over there making them you know yeah this thing is uh craig craig bumgarner he's the guy that made this uh he, he used to be a boat builder no way yeah so he kind of switched gears um he was still working with boating and stuff but he started to build these guitars years ago and, um, you know, so I always call them seaworthy, <laughs> seaworthy vessels. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, and, uh, man, yeah, it's pretty cool. Also, oh yeah, actually one, one ended up in, um, in England, uh, because Stuart has one. Oh, they sound yeah. amazing. The guy sound that does beautiful. the Preston Jazz Festival. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. There's a couple around the world here and there. I, I, this is another thing I love about gypsy jazz, like the guitars, you know, they're all kind of unique. Some of them have certain stories behind them. Like I say, uh, with Harry, like his has a certain story. This guy played it on this album and stuff. Because if you talk to violin players or, 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 or even double bass players, you know, they have these instruments that are like a hundred years old or more and they have some amazing history behind them. Whereas yeah. like electric guitar or acoustic guitar, you know, they're kind of, you don't want to say mass produced, but in a way in comparison they are. But in the gypsy jazz, there's this kind of small network of luthiers and each one kind of has its own little story, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fun, super fun. Yeah. And the, the first time I went to Samoa and I was able to just play so many guitars, it was uh, really eye opening. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. You waste a lot of hours in those tents. Well, not waste, but yeah. Now this, uh, my first guitar was uh, like a 1977 tomorrow. And, you know, I really agonized over what to get. I remember I had like $1,500. That was it. So, yeah, I just, you know, everyone always is in that price range when they first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you don't, well, you don't want to spend it on the wrong thing. Exactly. So you're just like, um, 
And that was, but Tommy Davey really wasn't uh, doing as much back then. Now he's got some really nice ones that he, that he has out there that are really affordable and they yeah, still have yeah. pickup systems and stuff. But back then I was kind of like, I want a vintage guitar. I really want an old guitar. So I, that's what I got. And it was great. But I tell a lot of new players, like, honestly, it doesn't matter. Just get something that, that has this basic qualities of a, sure. of a sure. good guitar and, you know, especially, especially when you're starting, it just has to be, it has to tick a few boxes and then, then you're in, you know? Yeah. And then the more you play other people's guitar and jams and different things, then you really get a sense of what you really like. Well, and absolutely. And, and you must, because as you say, they are quite expensive. So you don't want to fork out a few grand on a guitar and then discover it's not quite the one for you. You've really got to kind of play the field, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, I mean, Django in June is perfect. It's not happening this year, unfortunately, but I know some of the teachers are doing some stuff and online. Um, but that's, I mean, that's just a great place to go. Hopefully next year it'll be all good. Oh man, next year it's going to be, next year is going to be incredible. Like, because I, I think, I mean, fucking hell, we've got to have a good year at some point. It seems like <laughs> without getting into the whole bloody situation, every year it's just been getting like madder and crazier and more mental. Well, next year, I think we're in, we're due for a good one next year, I think. I know, man. So much of what the world's going through right now is, it's 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 hard because, in the music world, we kind of care about each other in a different way, and then you see the rest of the world, and you're like, oh man, that that's serious serious problem. It's not yeah. matching up with the way that we tend to relate to each other. For sure, all, for sure. All kinds of people, you know, in the jazz world, and there's such an appreciation for uh, the history of this music mm. and everything it's it's so different um, yeah it's funny you know when you live in you know we're, we're so, so lucky to be musicians not just because we get to play music but there is something about the camaraderie of musicians and the people in the scene it's like you know um in in york like i say there are jazzes around but not as common as down here and you know uh, or in, in that part of the world and so when you just meet another jazz musician you're like oh my god you like jazz do you want to be best mates you know i mean there's a certain yeah and so we kind of forget that um you know we've got this lovely kind of community together but it's not the same for everyone uh, i suppose you easy, yeah. easy to forget that's important what's going on um it's a lot about caring just you know certain people i don't know they they just don't care and other other people really care a lot yeah and you know, come on, let's uh, let's put change. You don't. You might not be able. To, you might not be able to change a person, but you can change policy, and you can make things better. Yeah, and yeah. as as you say, sometimes it can be as simple as you know, just you got to care, you got to look after people. You know, it's as simple as that. It's not rocket science, you know. Yeah. It's... yeah. Well, look, man. On that note, yeah. I think we're going to have to wrap it up. But uh, oh. Been... oh man, we're getting there. But. Before I do, um, is there anything you want to, you know, advertise, anything you want to plug, anything you want to get out, anything you want to say while we've got this humongous audience around the world? Well, I mean, uh, I guess, yeah, the, the best place to buy the music is ultrafoe, F-A-U-X, ultrafoe.net forward slash shop. Cool. And uh, again, that's ultrafoe.net forward slash shop shop emphasis on the word shop h-o-p and um 
Um, yeah, so LP, I have vinyl LPs, but uh, oh yeah, soon I'm sending it to an international distributor, the guy for uh, Zango, X-A-N-G-O. I mean, pretty soon he'll have it overseas so people can buy it at a reasonable price rather than being charged like $25. Okay, okay, okay. So yeah, wait, get in touch with that guy when he gets some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, you know, totally, you can listen to it on Spotify and also the previous three albums. And um, Hot Club of Baltimore is my other group. And you could also listen to that. It features a vocalist and other, other lots of other players. So, Yeah, and I honestly, I've been going, working through this stuff the last few days. Seriously top draw, lovely compositions, music, fantastic improvisation from Michael and, and everybody on the records. I'd really recommend it. And I'd, I'd really recommend it because in Gypsy Jazz, it's, it's really refreshing to hear compositions, people writing their own music and taking the genre into slightly different places uh, without losing any of the authenticity. It's a real treat. So I'd super recommend it. Get, uh, get on it, get on it. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm humble about the, you know, inspirations of this music. I, I don't claim to be, um, you know, an expert or anything but i've always played music that inspires me that's i'm i'm not even like i'm not cuban but i meet people and i hear music and i just always responded by immediately being inspired to write music so i hope it's uh appreciated in that sense and you know uh i i i absolutely love uh playing like in samuro in the campsite and i'm gonna miss it a lot this year yeah. i love being in uh i really just really, really enjoy the the scene in London and UK. I'm I'm missing it a lot. And yeah, honestly, I, I was so looking forward to playing with Harry Diplock, you know, and and uh, yeah, that's that's hard to to deal with, like not having that experience right now. Hey man, it's uh, it's it's been crap for everyone this whole bloody business, but uh, the good times are coming again, you know, hundred percent. I just want to send a, say a shout out to everyone in that scene. It's an incredible scene. Yeah, know, man. All those and, guys. And hey, look, we, we can't wait to have you back in, in the UK. Can't wait to play some tunes with you again. And uh, yeah. Oh, and, and our gig. Our gig. Yeah. <laughs> great, by the way. Ah, jeez, thanks. Yeah. yeah. I was like, no, um, we, we should have been playing, what, tonight, I think, at post Um Literally right now, I think, yeah, it's uh, 10 past nine. So, yeah, we'd just be getting past the first number or two, yeah. I'd be over my jet lag by now and everything. <laughs> I'd be a few pints in, we'd be rocking, you know? Yeah. But, hey, man, yeah, uh, thanks again for doing, doing, the pod, uh, doing the podcast. We'll do a real one in the future, and we'll, we'll, we'll you know, the good times are going to come back 100%. Absolutely. Now, before we go, if... Yeah if you would be so kind uh, to pick another tune from your okay. latest album and that'll uh, that'll play us out man ah, so you want to I... a slow waltz uh, whatever you see fit sir anything you fancy let's do let's do the slow waltz it's so dreamy oh, je ne sais pas je ne sais pas je ne sais pas yalka what does je ne sais pas mean I don't know. No, you That's don't know. You speak French, don't you? No. Like if someone, if you were, <laughs> if you were in the class and you raise your hand and say, "I don't know," 
Oui. Je ne sais pas. You know, that would have been handy for me in school because I was fucking terrible at French, so. That would have been great. <laughs> I wish I was good at it. I'm try I, every now and then I try. And it's it's a very difficult language for me. Um, even though I adore everything about the culture, the language, so much about the music and everything. <laughs> Do you know, I, I remember in school going to a French exam and It was in the middle of my history class. I had to go off and go do this French exam. And I, my teacher knew, and I said, oh, it's, it's my time. I have to go. And she said, off you go. And as I was leaving, she goes, bon chance. And I was like, fuck, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> like, so, bon oh, that's, you said that really well. That's a good oh, pronunciation. There you go. Well, yeah, <laughs> anyway. Cool, man. Okay, here we go. Je ne sais pas. Michael Joseph Harris, thanks a million, mate. Really Thank cool you. to hang out. Good luck, man. Appreciate it. Rock on. Yeah, yeah, yeah.